Who is God? That's what the uh, video there started off talking about, or letting us look at at least some thoughts. And we're talking about comprehending God's character. We're in our series of intentional living or living with purpose. And uh, we're on this, this theme this morning of comprehending God's character. A little, little footnote. One of the, I remember, it's been over 25 years, but I remember vividly the theology classes that I had. And, and I'll never forget, they divide, if you aren't familiar with it, they divide up theology when you're, when you're in college or seminary. Um, ecclesiology, that's the doctrine of the church. And they, soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. And um, eschatology, the doctrine of the future things. But I remember vividly, I'll never forget it as long as it has been, the day we got to theology proper, which is God and the person of God. And I thought, man, this is great. Learning just about God. And if I could just put a little theological parenthesis in here at the beginning this morning, that's what we're doing here. This is, this is theology proper. We're talking about God and the character of God. And who he is. And you know, there's a lot of views of that. And we start, if we, we're not going to do this, but if we were to go around here, what's your view of God? What's your view of God? There's lots of different things that would be said. Some would be very good. Some would be, have a little apocrypha in it maybe. And, um, uh, but think about that for a moment. Take a look at this. We got a, just a film clip here from a movie that you might know. I'll tell you about it in just a moment. It's one Hollywood director's who, who, by the way, is a follower of Christ. It's one Hollywood director's view of, of maybe what God might be like. Take a look. Interesting view, though, isn't it? Of, of, of one artist, this is who God is, or this is what God is like. I want to go somewhere where we know we can rely on it. Might be some good things in the movie or some other movies, but I want to go somewhere, and you know where I'm heading probably with this, where we can really understand a little bit or try at least to comprehend, at least to begin to get our arms around who God is and, and, and what He is and, and what He does and, and how involved is He in my life and does He make a difference on Monday morning or Tuesday or Wednesday or, or the rest of the time, sometime other than Sunday morning when, when I'm supposed to feel like I'm with God and so forth. And I want to take you, I'm going to take you to some couple of different passages of Scripture. And then when we get there, I'm going to tell you about them because it's, it's very personal to me. And I'll tell you exactly why that's the case in just a moment. But um, I want to just kind of get you to think along with me. I'm going to make about three statements that I'll have for you here on PowerPoint on the screen. And each one of those statements, I'm going to take you to the Bible and just show you why that statement is true, which refers and talks about the character of God. And then we're going to do our, our usual little takeout food for thought and uh, get you to think on these things. And hopefully it'll, you'll leave here with something to, to dwell on, to think about, to maybe even pray about in the future. First thing that I want you to see is this one thing called the single most important thing in life. All right, and I have it for you here, right here. It's to know God. The single most important thing in life is to know God. Let me read to you, and I'll show it to you here on the screen, uh, this one passage from Jeremiah chapter 9, and then we'll talk about it. Jeremiah 9, 23, it goes like this. This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise man gloat in his wisdom, or the mighty man in his might, or the rich man in his riches. Let him boast, or let them boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand 
that I am God, who is just and righteous, whose love is unfailing, and that I delight in these things, I, the Lord, have spoken. Let them, let them delight in this, that they know me. And it's important for you to understand, we're not talking about academics. We're not talking about knowledge. We're not talking about liturgy. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But we're talking about knowing by way of personal experience. The Hebrew, in this case, later on in the, in the uh, Greek and the New Testament, the, the whole idea of knowing is so much more than just, I know about God. God is great. God is good. God is love. All those things are, are terrific. But we're talking about knowing from experience. I'll give you a quick example. I won't go into detail on this, and I really can't. Some time ago, not, not long ago, actually, somebody said something to me, and they were relaying to me something about someone else that they had heard this other person say. So-and-so said thus and thus and thus and thus. It wasn't at all consistent with what I knew that person to be true, uh, what I knew to be true of that person. And I, after they got through, I listened very politely, and I said, I want you to know something. Maybe there was a misunderstanding. Maybe there was a, some kind of a miscontext thing. But let me assure you, I know that person, and I know that's not what they said. And my friend said to me, well, that's what this... I said, look, I'm not calling you a liar. Uh, All I know is I know them, and I know that's totally inconsistent with who they are. I I don't think you're lying to me. I think maybe you misunderstood some things, or maybe you you miscomprehended some things. Here's how I could do that, because I knew... Greek word is gnosko, know from experience... Um, I knew that person, and I knew they wouldn't say that in that context. And by the way, as it turned out, isn't always the case, but as it turned out, I was right, and everything got straightened out and so forth. But the reason I could do that was because I knew that person. See, there's a lot of lessons that we can learn in that. But one of the things that I want you to understand is when we know God, it's not just knowing God is great, God is good, God is love, God is kind, God is gracious. Yeah, we, we know all those things, and maybe if we went to Sunday school as a kid or, or a Christian school or, or a Catholic school or some other kind of school where they taught about it, maybe we learned that, and that's terrific. But that's not just what I'm talking about. That's fine. But I'm talking about knowing God in a relationship, like I knew my friend in a relationship. So the single most important thing in life really is to know or know in relationship who God is. Not that he's some mean ogre in the sky. Not that he's up in the sky looking to drop some bombs on me or some other kind of thing, but to know who he is. So I, w- I want to start with that. And then I want to move into these next two things, these next two thoughts here. And the second thought that I want you to see is this one. And I got this one also for you here on the screen. How we respond to the issues of life, especially in the inner person, reveals where our trust resides. Now, just just think on that statement for a moment. How we respond to the issues of life, especially in the inner person, reveals where our trust resides. I'm going to take you to one of two passages that uh, of the Bible that are kind of long, and these are the things that are very personal to me. And I know that I seem like a happy-go-lucky kind of guy and never have a problem in the world and just everything is always great and all that other kind of stuff. And, and for the most part, that's true, you know, 51% of the time. But there's those other 49% of the times when I've had some very 
hard things to deal with. Sometimes it's about me. Sometimes it's about somebody else. Sometimes it's about something else, situation, whatever. This is one of the verses or one of the passages of Scripture that I go to when I have those times. Uh, one of, I call them one of my, this is a terrible, terrible name. I, I, know that. I, call, them one of, I call them my depression verses. Okay? They're, not, they're not depressed verses, but when I'm kind of depressed, I go to them. Okay? And I'm going to take you to them. They're kind of long, but they're very important to me, and maybe they'll help you. So just kind of follow along with me here. I'll go through them very quickly. And I may skip a few things here and there, but you'll see them here on the screen. And you just follow along with me. First one is Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 12. All right? This is some good stuff. I've used some of these before. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed all out the mountains and the hills? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to be his teacher or counselor? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good and what is best? No, for all the nations of the world are nothing in comparison with him. They are but a drop in the bucket, a dust on the scales. He picks up the islands as though they had no weight at all. So just hold it right there for a moment. Um, just think about this. The next time maybe you're in one of those down moments of life, you know, and the scale's kind of there at the bottom. Just think as you're reading this and maybe put yourself... Well, you not put yourself in my place. Put yourself in your own place when you've been in some of those situations and you read this. This is about the God who loves you, who has count, counted the number of hairs in your head, who knows when a hair falls. I realize for some of you that's not a big deal, but for some of us it is. Just, just kidding. Just think about that for a moment. Um, but just think, about, just think about this whole thing and comprehending who God is. Now, keep going here because it goes further, all right? Still in Isaiah 40, verse 18. To whom then can we compare God? What image, you know, what image um, might we find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold or decorated with silver chains? Just skip down. Is, is he a poor wooden, you know, can God be compared to an idol that must be placed on a stand? Verse 21. Have you never heard or understood are you deaf to the works of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? It is God who sits above the circle of the earth. The people below him must seem like grasshoppers. He is the one who spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. Many years ago, many years ago uh, in a previous life, figuratively speaking, um, I used to fly in a helicopter every day and... Um, do helicopter reports, which is why when I saw what happened in the news today, this last week in New York, it, it always rings a little something special to me because I was in a near situation like that on the Channel 4 thing, the helicopter that crashed if you missed the news. But I used to fly around a helicopter giving traffic reports. And um, I get airsick, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in. But th th that's just a side point. Just tell you some of the travails I've been through in life. But... Um, one of the things I did one time, and at the time I was, in, I was studying for the ministry, and it was, uh, my background had been in broadcasting, so it was a great job for me to be able to do and just spend a couple hours a day and make enough money and so forth to get through college. But anyway, um, I remember one time, it was in Birmingham, and we were over the whole city, and we were coming over the section of town where we lived. And we lived in this little tiny two-bedroom apartment. And I remember looking down on just, you know, thousands of homes, 
and all these apartments, and I picked out our apartment building out of all these thousands of homes, and then I picked out our little tiny 500-square-foot two-bedroom apartment. That's, there's my home. My wife's down there. My little boy's down there. And yet God does that with every home over the whole world. It just kind of made me feel really, it's just like, wow. That's pretty amazing. I can do it with one. I might be able to do it with two or three with people that I know. But God does it with everybody. That's how big God is. That's what these verses are telling us. You know, that's how powerful, how, um, how, how all-knowing God really is. So when you stop and you think about that point that I made, how we respond to the issues of life, especially in the inner person, really does reveal where our trust resides. If we know God in relationship and we come to these kinds of things, well, our beliefs... Let me make two or three statements about that, and I want to go to the third thing. Our beliefs about God are evidenced more by how we live than what we say. I'm going to, I'm going to elucidate in a moment and go through a whole bunch of those different things. But, but, you know, we can be very committed followers of Jesus, and we can still act like godless heathens. Now, when I make that statement, some of you are thinking, yeah, we can. I've known people to do that, and I've known a guy who considered himself to be a, a, a devoted follower of Christ, and he'd get drunk every night, and he'd run around with all kinds of women, or she'd run with all kinds of men. We're equal opportunity here. Or, or we, they would do this, or they would do that, and we think of those kinds of things. But, but, but you know what? Let me take you just a step further. Maybe, maybe it's not a person who would do anything like that. Maybe it's a person who just internally is just eaten up with worry. You see, what is that saying about what that person resides, where their trust resides? That's, that's more, that's as much of the issue as all these other things. Always correlate the scope of your problems to the size of your God. Always correlate the scope of your problems to the size of your God. I serve a big God. And sometimes, for me, kind of a simple guy, I'll be in one of those times that I told you about earlier, and I'll have to stop and say, hey, God, you're a big God. And I know in the whole scope of things, this probably isn't a big deal to you. But it is to me right now, and I need a little help. No, and maybe God will act upon that problem. Maybe he will just do something in my heart, which more often is the case than not. Scope of your problems. Correlate that to the size of your God. Let me tell you a third statement and give you some more verses, which we'll try to go through quickly again. When our focus is Godward... By the way, those last verses that I gave you, and you can look them up later, and these, these, all these notes will be on the website. It's Isaiah 40, uh, chapter 40, verses 12, all the way through verse 20, uh, 26. So you can look at those. If you forget that, those are always on our website sometime uh, by Monday. Um, now, the third statement that I want you to see, when our focus is Godward instead of inward, life becomes amazingly simple. Now, just, just, again, dwell on that thought for just a moment. Let me take you to um, another, that second passage from the Bible that I like to go to, go to, have gone to many times, and it comes from Job. And don't, don't show it yet. Um, 
Most of you maybe have heard something about Job, one or the way or the other. Job, of course, was considered to be a great man of God in the Old Testament. And uh, he was tempted by the devil, basically, and taken everything away because, because God said, this guy, trust me, he trusts God beyond reproach. And so he lost, he lost all of his possessions, lost his job, lost all of his income, and he was very wealthy. He uh, even lost his children. And although I question how much of a loss it was, he lost his wife. No, I'm being a bit facetious there. Later on, she became very nagging. I mean, she, starts, she started telling him to deny God. And I'm like, get rid of her, Job, when I read through it. But anyway, I'm, I'm being half facetious there when I talk about that. Then he had three friends. That, if you know the book of Job, he, he had three friends that came into his life. I call them the Three Stooges because they kind of talked like that. And uh, they, uh, they, just, they had terrible advice for him. So, but Job kept trusting God. But all throughout 37 chapters in the, in the Old Testament of the book of Job, Job keeps saying, why God? Why? Why? Why has this happened? I mean, what's going on? Why? And I want you to see how God answers Job. And this is one of those passages that I go to. Well, I've questioned God. Why, God? Why? Maybe about me, maybe about somebody else, maybe about a situation. This is just one of those great passages. So let's just go there. Job chapter 38. And now finally God answered Job from the eye of the violent storm. He said, why do you, this is God talking, why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk about knowing what you're talking about? Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet, stand tall. I got some questions for you. I want some straight answers. Okay? Keep going here. Where were you when I formed, when I created the earth? Tell me since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was its foundation poured? Who set the cornerstone? While the morning stars, that's the angels, sang in chorus, and all the angels shouted praise. And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? That was me! Verse 10, Then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen, so it couldn't run loose. And said, stay here, this is your place. Your wild trans- tantrums are confined to this place. Speaking of the ocean there. Have you, ever more, have you ever ordered the morning, get up, and told the dawn, get to work? You know, so, you could, so you could seize earth like a blanket and shake out the wicked like cockroaches? As the sun brings everything to light, brings out the colors and shapes, the cover of darkness is snatched from the wicked. They're caught in the very act. Keeps going. Have you ever gotten to the true bottom of things? Explored the labyrinthian caves of deep ocean? You know the first thing about death? Verse 18. Do you have any idea how large the earth is? Speak up! If you even, if you have even the beginning of an answer. Boy, this is powerful stuff. Do you know where the light comes from and where darkness lives? Can you take them by the hand and lead them home when they got lost? Why, of course you know that. You've them all your life, grown up in the same neighborhood with them, you know? And he, he, go, and he goes on. I'm going to stop there, but he goes on. Let me make that statement again. When our focus is Godward instead of inward, life becomes amazingly simple. This is God. Let me tell you a quick story how I first became familiar with this passage from Job. Again, it goes back to my college years. But my, actually, I had a lot of college years. My second college career, which is when I went back to study for, for um, theology in the, in the ministry. And I had a professor that I, we all had favorite professors, right? And I had a favorite professor 
who I didn't know at the time. One of these guys was very stoic and very academic and could parse any Greek verb in, in, the, in his head, which is a very hard thing to do. Just one of those guys. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Never read with an English Bible. Only read with a Greek or a Hebrew Bible. And uh, one day he started sharing about how they lost a baby. And I had a baby at the time and could really relate to that. Actually, my wife had the baby, but you catch my drift. Um, we had a small child at the time. I could really relate to him. And he said, I've asked, this is, this is a guy I ever looked up to, great theologian. He said, uh, I've asked God so many times, why? Why? And I keep coming back to Job 38. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Sometimes God doesn't give us the right answer that we think he should give us. But he is God. That's important for us. Who, who, who are you going to trust in the phraseology of a popular game show years ago? Who are you going to trust? You serve an almighty... If you, if you know God and if you've trusted Christ, you serve an almighty, all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing, totally in control, justice-breathing, God, a grace-giving, mercy-loving God. So what's your problem? I want to just take, and I just wrote down ten things, and, and these are general things, and we could go on from here into a whole bunch of different things. When you understand these, these things that we've been talking about, when you understand the single most important thing in life, when you understand how we respond to the issues of life reveals who we trust, particularly what's in the inner person, when you understand that our focus needs to be Godward and not inward, and life can become amazingly simple, you get some comprehension, you, you begin, you begin, just begin to get some, some comprehension of your arms around who God is. Here's how that's going to affect just some things in life. Let me go through uh, ten of these things real quick. Ten issues of life that directly affects us. Just think about it in your own life. Let's go through the first. Let's just go through them real quickly here. Stress. Now, again, that doesn't mean that I don't have stress. That doesn't mean that I don't work. That doesn't mean that I abuse knowing who God is by saying, well, I'm not going to do anything. You still do what you can do. But when I have that stress, it's just, I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not in this thing alone. Keep going here. I'm going to go through this here. Worry, same type of thing. Some of these are going to kind of overlap. Fear. Fear. You get fearful about the future. There's a song, I know who holds the future. Um, anxiety, just get really anxious. Maybe maybe it's about a deal that's not going to happen or is going to happen or you're not sure what's going to happen. Maybe it's about your, your marriage. Maybe it's about your kids. God knows those of us who have kids um, spend more than one or two nights up, don't we? Thinking, God, you know, it's so neat because early in life it's usually about health things and, and things like that. And as they get older, it's other stuff. I remember my dad telling me one time, I've, I've told you this story before, I remember my dad telling me one time after I was an adult, if, if I am yet, and uh, um, I remember him telling me, or my mother actually telling me one time that my, how my dad used to wake up in the nights when I, first, when I first left home to go to school. Now he'd wake up and say, all right, we've got to pray for Rich. We've got to pray for Rich. God knows I needed it. Thank God they did. You know? Tough decisions. You got a screwed up past, failures, your fault, somebody else's fault, nobody's fault. Well, when you understand God and you under, and you read those those passages of Scripture about God, you're able to say, 
I guess God can still do something in my life. Um, just go through the rest of these real quick because they're just real. Pending deals. We've talked about that. Um, kids. Job issues. Anyway, unfairness and injustice. It's just not fair. We started saying that when we were little kids, didn't we? That's just not fair. And sometimes at age 50-something, I still watch the news and I say, that's not fair. Or I talk to somebody and I say, that's not fair. And it may not be fair, but I know who's going to have ultimate justice in this world and in the next as well. I want to wrap this all up with what I call my takeout food for thought. And uh, we're going to go through these. And and as we do, just a, a couple of thoughts here. When we get some understanding, or and let me put it this way, when we, when we begin to get some understanding of getting our arms around this theme of God and who He is um, and His transcendence and His power and His character, when we get some understanding of beginning to get our arms around that, um, then, then I can understand why it's important to give my life to God. Because I need someone a whole lot bigger than me. A whole lot smarter than me. A whole lot more in control than me. It's one thing about growing older. You know, you always worry about, particularly some of you maybe are at that stage of life where you're worried about control. You just, just give it up. You don't control half the stuff you think you do. Okay? And the other stuff, you know, just, just give it up. Alright? God's in control. Okay, now that doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean we don't try to do what we can do. We don't mean, doesn't mean we don't, we don't try to get um, um, diligent and doing the best that we can do. But thank God that he's there when we can't be. Three thoughts that I want you to take with you as take out food. The first one is this. God has molded you from your past. Therefore, be thankful. When I understand God's character, or begin to understand God's character, I understand the need of giving my life. I want to turn my life over to God. I want to turn my life to Christ. And I begin to understand then, then, this isn't an automatic. This isn't true for everyone. You know that's not true for everyone. If you don't believe me, go to some of those places where a lot of old people hang out. And what will you see? In many cases, in my experience, in more cases than not, you'll find some people who are just bitter, beaten up by the storms of life. And I've, I've been around just enough to see some of that and say, you know, God, I don't want to be there. God bless them. I can't imagine what they've been through to get there. I don't want to be there. And yet it's not a matter of the scope of the problem either because you see some people who have just had horrendous problems, health issues, untimely deaths in their family, all kinds of other stuff, and yet you see them responding in a positive just in a, in a godly way of all, you know, God, I don't, I don't like this, but I still want to be the person you want me to be. On the other hand, you can see someone else who hasn't dealt with near those kinds of problems, nothing near that, and they just let them bomb them out completely. I mean, you know, bad traffic can ruin their day, which if they live in this area, they're going to have a lot of bad days. Thank God we can live above that, though. So one of the things for food for thought, God has molded you from your past. Be thankful for that. Your failures, someone else's failures, nobody's failures, just life. Second thought that I want you to dwell on, take out food here, take out food for thought. God is guiding you in the present. 
Therefore, be thoughtful. Because we know this is true about God doesn't mean that we capriciously just skip through life and say, oh, who cares? No. We still sometimes labor over decisions. We still sometimes spend a lot of time trying to help a friend or a loved one or a family member or whomever, a business associate, make the right decision. But thank God, you know, even when they don't, and even when it seems like I failed in trying to convince and trying to show that person what's right, God's still there. And God is, God is guiding you in the present. Therefore, be thoughtful. Third thought. Third food for thought. I love this one. God will filter what's going to be in your future. Therefore, be joyful. We can look on the future. Those of us who are trusting God, who are trusting Christ, can look on the future and say, oh boy, I'm excited about it. I don't know what, I don't know what it holds. There's going to be a lot of highs and there's probably going to be some lows because we live in, we live in a world that's fallen. But I'm excited about it because I, 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 know, I know God. I know who He is. I know what He will do. I know how much He loves me. I know how much grace He wants to give me. I know how much, how much mercy He wants me to have which is unlimited. I know all those things because I know God. And therefore, whatever comes my way for the future, whatever, whatever is allowed, whether it's, again, my fault, somebody else's fault, nobody's fault, I serve a God who holds the future. Doesn't mean I'm always going to understand everything. Doesn't mean I'm always going to understand everything because I'm not. And to say, to say that you are is just, that's just being crazy. One of the things I loved about that film clip that we had there from Bruce Almighty earlier was, was the fact that here was Jim Carrey, who's Bruce, um, who just, you know, I, I'm not liking this stuff. I'm not liking what's going on. I, I at least appreciate his honesty. He didn't lie, didn't cover up. He tried to be authentic. Now, he didn't have the right answer. By the way, at the end of the movie, he does get the right answers. It's one of the greatest prayers you can ever utter right, right toward the end of that movie. It's a prayer that it's just giving, you know, God, here I am, I can't do it. I want to give my life to you. Basically, I, my interpretation, but that's basically what it is. So that's the issue, folks. That's the deal. So when we understand intentional living, comprehending God's character, does it make a difference on Monday morning? Boy, you bet it does. Do I work any less? No. Am I any less conscientious? No. But no matter what, we got God's filter there for the future. We got God molding the past. We got guide, God guiding the present. And in that, we can be thankful. Let's pray together. Father God, these are, these are truths that we, we don't want to miss. And it's not just something that we can grab a hold of academically and get into our minds, but it's, Lord, it's something we, we have to grab a hold of in our hearts and in our, in our thoughts and in the thought process. And, Lord, it begins certainly, as I have stated a couple of times already, in a relationship with you. And I would, I would pray, God, that the spirit in our lives, that the inner spirit in each one of us, and I, I, don't know, I don't know where each person is here, but you do. For some, it's, it's going to begin by just saying, God, I want to I begin that journey. I want to begin that relationship right here and right now by trusting you. Uh, don't know a lot about this. Don't understand some of the things about this, but I just seeing what is true about you. I want to. It's pretty pretty basic to me that I want to turn my life over to you. You created me. I want to give my life to you, God, to use it as you will, wherever I am, whatever I do, whatever my work is. 
just to use just to use it and use my life. And for some of you, we're just, you can just pray that right where you're sitting. Lord, I, I want to give my life to you right here, right now. Lord, there are others of us here. Maybe we've done that. But we need just to come back to you and say, Lord, once again, I find myself in need of being able to say, Lord God, I, I just, again, want to trust you with my life. I believe, God, that you certainly can mold my past and have to make me the person that I am, that you're going to guide me in the present, and that you're going to filter the events of the future, the things that will, that will ultimately, not maybe for the very moment, but for ultimately will benefit me and give great praise and glory to you. Lord, I pray that for each one of us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.